Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Unnamed Automotive Podcast. My name is Sammy Hajisad, and with me is Benjamin Hunting. Say hi, Ben. Greetings. Me and Ben are automotive uh, enthusiasts. We're automotive appreciators. We're automotive uh, – I'm running out of words to say, Ben. What else are we? We're also journalists from a professional perspective. So uh, we get to drive a lot of cars and um, tell people what we think about it. And that's kind of what this podcast is an extension of. And that's, we, that's a great description of what we're about to do. I think we're going to talk about where we've been lately, what we've been driving, and uh, what's going on in the industry. Well, I can tell you where I've been lately, and it's uh, not too far from home. I ended up in Detroit last week where I got to drive the new 2017 Chevrolet Cruze hatchback, which is exactly like the sedan except a hatchback. And that's a good thing, I think. Um, the Cruze is one of my favorite small cars. It's one of the cars I recommend the most. I know that surprises you, Sammy, because it's not something that comes to the, the forefront when, when you're thinking small cars, I, I don't think. No, actually, the cruise has not impressed me yet, but I think I had a pretty, uh, a pretty, uh, wrong first impression with it. The only version of the cruise that I've driven was the cruise LS with a six speed manual. And, uh, quite frankly, the powertrain just didn't, uh, it didn't rub me the right way. Um, and I still will recommend people to buy a Honda Civic, a Hyundai Elantra and a Mazda three or Mazda three, depending on where on the planet you know that brand. Well, I, I like all those cars too. I think though where the cruise kind of pulls ahead is uh, when you start ordering the, 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 the upper trim levels. Um, I believe it's called premier is the one that's, uh, is all decked out. Uh, it's a really nice car inside. It's comfortable. You get a lot of cool features and technology that you wouldn't expect to get in a small car. Um, there's also an RS trim level that is just basically the modern equivalent of a sticker package. You get a more aggressive, uh, front bumper and some other different wheels and that kind of thing. But I'm still waiting for that RS SS version of the cruise where they, they turn up the boost and we get more than, I believe it's just under 160 horsepower right now. I think a 200 horsepower cruise would be a lot of fun. I mean, the current car drives great. The hatchback, um, here in Canada is going to be a big seller because we love hatchbacks in the States. Yeah, I'm not so sure how many they're actually going to sell, but what's interesting is we were told that morning that something close to 30% of all hatchbacks sold in the U.S. are actually battery-assisted. What? Yeah, and if you think about that statistic, basically what it means is they're all Priuses. That's that's kind of yeah. one-third of hatchback sales in the U.S. are Priuses, or as a colleague pointed out that morning, could also be the Volt, because um, that's technically a hatchback, I guess. Is is it still a hatchback with the, with the little trunk they have now? Yeah, I guess so. But can we go – let me just go back to this cruise. I You need to talk to me because I haven't driven an automatic-equipped cruise and for me the manual transmission really really bummed me out especially because uh the the sixth gear fifth gear and fourth gear all felt like overdrive gears um every time i put my foot down trying to get anywhere i'd get absolutely nothing out of it and it felt like i was just lugging the car and it was a really really uh it was a terrible experience i mean the rest of the car handles really nice it drove uh very comfortably and i think it looks pretty handsome on the outside i'm not a huge fan of the interior yet but you've got to tell me that that automatic is better than the manual. Well, the automatic's good. I, I didn't have the problem with the manual that you did. I haven't spent a lot of time driving the manual. I drove it back in the spring when they launched the the new sedan. Um, and it was fine for my purposes. I don't have your lead foot. Um, I don't drive flat out all the time like uh, 
like I know you do, um, as an FRS owner, it's, it's kind of what you have to do to, to maintain credibility in that community. But, uh, yeah, the, the automatic is a good transmission and it's kind of nice to, you know, it's a little weird to talk about the old school six speed automatic, but it's nice not to have a nine speed transmission that's constantly shifting gears with a small displacement engine, which is what we're starting to get in a wide variety of, Compact cars and midsize sedans, or or you're getting a CVT. There's some good CVTs out there, but um, you know, I I kind of appreciate that GM is stuck with the six speed and that they've managed to make it work. It's it's an efficient engine. You're you're getting reasonable fuel mileage in the real world, and I think that's what most people care about. Okay, and let's talk about how this the cruise is GM's entry into a new a new segment in North America, isn't it? Like they haven't been they haven't had a, a hatchback in a while. Uh, what since the what the vibe in the uh, well, Astra? I don't know. Well, you know, it's, it's kind of weird because if you think about it, the Sonic is a hatchback, right? But it's, oh, a, right. I mean, like a compact, a compact hatch, right? Well, well, hear me out. So the, 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 the Sonic is a subcompact, but it's actually bigger inside than the cruise from a cargo perspective. It's a half a cubic foot bigger with the seats down. Ooh, okay. That's but, interesting. That's a really interesting point. Uh, some people who, who haul stuff around, I mean, maybe they're probably going for a Honda Fit anyways, if that's what they're into. But, um, you know, if they might want to appreciate, they, they might appreciate the, uh, the Sonic over a crude sash. That's a really important point to bring up. It really depends though, I think, on what kind of cargo you're, you're hauling. Um, because the cruise is wider. Uh, you gotta, it's easy to, to lift over the, the bumper. It's wide. So you could, you could theoretically put something like a, a stroller or a, a bike maybe in the back of a cruise hatchback a little easier. The Sonic's taller. Uh, so you're stacking stuff, which you don't really stack grocery bags. So, you know, that's the trade off you're making. Um, in terms of absolute volume, if you're filling the car entirely with like ping pong balls or tennis balls or however these things are determined, then yeah, the Sonic comes out ahead by a very small margin. But in the real world, I think the Cruise is going to be a more useful vehicle. And it's also more comfortable and a much bigger backseat. And the interior is better than the, than the Sonic's, I it's think. It's better. I mean, the Sonic is, I like the Sonic, but it's, it's aimed at a more frugal consumer, you could say. Yeah. So, you, you know, your expectations must be tempered when you get inside that car. Okay. And then the, the engine, um, the 1.4 liter, uh, turbo, uh, I always mix it up for another engine. I don't know why, but it's a 1.4 liter turbo, and I think it makes what 150 something, 53, 53, 58, something around there. Which is, um, I mean, in comparison to the rest of the the, the segment, is okay. I mean, the the Civic is offered with a 1.5 turbo that makes 178, um, and the Elantra has the or is going to be offered with uh, a two liter and a 1.6 liter. But I don't think you can get the Elantra yet in the hatch with that turbocharged engine, can you? I'm not sure, but I want to point out that the cruise makes 177 pound-feet of torque, which is pretty decent. Wow, that is pretty good. Um, and I think that paired with that six-speed automatic, uh, they've really got the power band thing locked down. You're, you, you're not – I mean, if you're crawling through traffic, you're fine. If you're wanting to pass someone on the highway, you're fine. It's not a performance car, but it's definitely not under-engined either. Um, it's not, you know, there, there are some slow compact cars out there, cars that haven't quite caught up to the turbo train yet, but the cruise has always kept pace. Caught up to the turbo train. Well, everyone's like going turbo. I mean, <laughs> it's funny, you know, I just drove the, uh, the Nissan S Sentra SR turbo that, uh, is there. <laughs> I, yeah. Well, you got to put turbo. It's, it's like the eighties now where you have to put yeah. turbo badges everywhere, which is fine. I don't have a problem with that, but. Um, the Sentra, the base Sentra is a very slow vehicle. It's big inside. Yeah. It's comfortable. It's affordable, but it's slow. And 
the SR Turbo, to me, um, it's not a performance car. It actually produces the same amount of torque as the Cruze, uh, about 20, 25 more horses. But, wow. um, but the, the same amount of, of torque. Um, and it's, it's, it's nice to have mm. a Sentra that can get out of its own way. Uh, and that feels competitive with pretty much every other compact car. And I think that was a great idea for Nissan to do it. I wish they would take that engine outside the SR turbo trim level and let you put it wherever you want, you know, so that you can, you don't have to, yeah, I said that so that you don't have to, they, they, they stiffen the chassis, this, the suspension and the springs are a little bit, um, stiffer in the back of the car. I think it's 50% on the, on the shocks, but at all four corners, you're looking at like a 10% improvement in, in spring rate. Um, it's not a sporty car at all to drive, um, but it's a better car than it used to be. Yeah, I mean the the Sentra. My my experience with the Sentra is that it always felt like it was drowsy. It always felt like it took a long time to do uh, anything, and it, you were not getting anywhere in a hurry in the Sentra. But giving it a, a turbo must make it like a like a car, a real car you can live with. Yeah, it's 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 clear that the original and actually still base Sentra is a fuel economy oriented car, and the new one is more of an all arounder. And you know, it's it's cool because the new turbo version doesn't really use that much more gas. It's it's a moderate um, moderate decrease in fuel efficiency. Now, it's really cool. You, you, we've been talking about turbos, and it's interesting to think of turbos in a way that uh, when you say the word turbo, you're no longer just thinking of a hot hatch. Although, let's talk for a second. The hot, you mentioned the Cruise RS and the hot hatch segment has suddenly become a thing. Like, it's really a thing. People are, people are making new hot hatches almost, I, I feel like I hear about it every week. Well, I think it's, I don't know if it's so much a thing as it is a pissing match between Volkswagen and Ford. Because they're the, if you look at the lineups, they're the only two companies that offer, uh, you know, two tiers of high performance hot hatch now. I mean, it wasn't enough that we had GTI versus Focus ST. Now we have Golf R versus Focus RS. And they're trying to match each other, you know, pound for pound in the performance uh, department. I can't think of another car company that's really doing that. Um, uh, Honda will be next. Honda will definitely be next with the SI and the Type R, right? Well, will they though? Um, <laughs> no, I, what's that? What is all that? <laughs> the previous generation SI was you, not yeah. what I would call a performance car. Take, From uh, a modern wow, we, let's let's let me. Ju- I can hear all the Honda Civic enthusiasts coming at you right now. They send are right your, there typing furiously. Send your uh, ha- hate mail to Sammy Hajasad at <laughs> AutoGuide.com. Yeah, like that. Yeah. Um, they are typing so they they like keyboard VTech just kicked in for them. That's insane. Uh, this is a car that has a huge community, a huge tuner community, huge uh, community, huge community, and they deserved something better than what they got. Um, I okay. think. No, I'm I'm serious. I think that the generation prior was uh, competitive. The previous generation SI, and mm-hmm. then when they went to the slightly larger engine, um, toned things down a bit. You ended up with a car that was it's, it's fun to drive. But if you were to compare it to something like the Focus ST, it's hopelessly outclassed. I mean, it's hopelessly outclassed by a WRX. They um, uh, they messed up with one thing. They made a next. They made an uh, they made an SI Plus. It was the HFP with new tires, and um, I think it had different suspension as well or suspension tuning. That was the that's what the SI should have been all the way around. It had these great tires, and tires make a car, right? They do. But right now, in the world that we're in, power also makes a hot hatch. Um, I don't think. It's it's funny how quickly the segment has moved forward, but you can't just throw a you know 200 horsepower naturally aspirated engine under the hood 
and say it's a hot hatch now. You have to offer that huge torque boost that you're getting with turbo, uh, like the GTI does when it went to the 200, what, 258 pound feet now, I think. And the ST is a similar story. Um, it's really a question of being able to have turbo torque that you can access very low, low RPM and get off the line quickly. And, and the Civic SI just didn't have that. And because they went away from the ultra high revving engine, um, I think they lost some of that character that let you really develop a relationship with the car at the limit. And I realize I'm just rambling right now and I want to hear what you think, Sammy. Okay. I enjoyed driving the Civic, uh, SI around town. It was on the track that I didn't, uh, I, I that's where it let me down. Okay, so that would um, that would be tires, you know, at least a huge portion of that, I would think. Mm-hmm. And uh, no, you're right. Um, the the powertrain just didn't feel as uh, as exciting as some of its competitors. You're right. The WRX, in comparison to a, 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 the last gen Civic Si, it felt like a it felt like a rocket ship. It was so fast. Um, and you you're right. It had a lot to do with that turbocharged um, engine. Um, and just it, the Civic SI felt a little dated by the time the WRX really came out. So do you think that the next gen, or I should say almost here, Civic SI is going to make up for that? Do you think it's going to be a version of the 1.5 turbo, or do you think we're going to get another naturally aspirated SI and then a turbocharged, uh, type R? I have, I have... I have very limited insight in the matter. Uh, I will say <laughs> that the Civ- I have a lot of faith in based on what I've been seeing coming out of uh, Honda. It's very um, two faced. Okay, they come out with a car like the HRV, and it's this really dull, really bland car, and it sells. They come out with a car like the Pilot, and you think it's going to be a great car, and it just doesn't hit every point that you want it to in that segment. But then they come and they show us this Type R, and they're like. You get this impression that, wow, the old Honda that I know and love is back. Um, and then they deliver with the new Civic, uh, with the 1.5 liter turbo. That's a great car. It's a fantastic car. I actually drove that. Um, I, I had that in my driveway for a week, uh, earlier this month and it's, it's outstanding. It's really hard to think of a better option in the compact class. There are equivalents, I think, but I don't know if anyone's really beating, uh, the new Civic. And then for the budget-minded uh, enthusiasts, they've also offered the hatchback turbo with a manual. And I'm I'm impressed. Now I'm looking at Honda like, oh, you finally realized that there's people out there who loved your cars and they love them for these reasons that you were paying attention, that you were listening, you were building cars for people. Um, so the Civic Si, I do have faith um, that they're on the right path, at least maybe with the Civic lineup. Maybe they're on the right path with the Civic lineup right now. Um and it seems like that they've got this Type R, like as the Halo kind of Civic. And did you see what this thing looks like in Paris? It was it was insane. It was crazy looking. Yeah, they definitely. Um, I mean, if you consider the risks they took with the current Civic styling compared to the previous generation, I don't think I think the gloves are off in terms of what they're letting the designers do, which is great. Um, I like to see interesting looking cars. Um, I don't need every, just because you're spending a moderate amount of money on a car doesn't mean you should have to give up on design. We're way past that now. Um, the, the, the efficiencies and, and cost savings associated with modern production and it means you can have a car that looks great and doesn't cost you a million bucks. And I think, you know, companies like Kia and Hyundai have really pushed um, traditional automakers towards that direction. It, it, it's definitely, if you look at the Corolla, <laughs> I yeah. mean, think about how bland the Corolla was until a few short years ago when Toyota realized, uh oh, um, everyone else is building great looking cars and we can do that too. We just never thought we had to. 
And they did. And then for some reason, it's, you know, today, now with the way that this segment has has grown up in terms of design, now it looks old again. Like, it's really funny. <laughs> well, it's it's a moving target, right? Um, <laughs> it's some some designs work for a very long time and other ones kind of age like slippers and you kind of have to move on more quickly than you'd want to. But, you know, speaking of the future and design, I think what you did last week was a little more future looking than anything I, I happened to do in Detroit. Yeah, I practically walked into a crystal ball um, last <laughs> week. I went to L.A. with uh, some people from BMW. And for those not in the know, BMW is actually celebrating their 100th year anniversary. Um, and they're doing that by releasing a new concept car for each one of their brands. So there's the BMW cars and there's the BMW motorcycles. Those are two brands. Those are two separate brands. They call the motorcycles uh, BMW Motorrad, which I think is a weird name, but that's what it's called. I think it's an awesome name. Motorrad. Yeah, right? seriously. Like, that's so rad. I wonder if that name came out in, like, the 90s. Probably. Cowabunga. Yeah. Um, and then uh, they also have some new concept uh, cars from Mini and Rolls-Royce, which are both under the BMW Group um, umbrella. Um, but Rhiannon, uh, Rihanna is not in, in under their umbrella. Have you figured that out? That's weird. I, I, I like the Rhiannon one, too. Like, the, Rihanna. The, the, like, conjured from the 1970s classic Fleetwood Mac album. Oh, Rhiannon appears in the in the BMW 100 year into the future and and uh, changes your life forever. So I was there with their motorcycle guys because they've already shown off the cars and we got to see their vision of the next uh, the car sorry the bike from 100 years from now and it's a pretty wild concept. Let me uh, let me let me uh, let me try to paint the picture for you. Instead of what usual concept bikes are, which is pretty much something out of Tron. This one has a lot less um, of a light cycle vibe to it. Uh, it has wheels, for example, that you can clearly see, but it doesn't have suspension. It has um, this flexible frame uh, that's that's really interesting. And as a result, there's also no like steering, uh, I don't know what you want to call it, fork. Um, and uh, it also uses a zero emissions uh, engine, but the most interesting part of this car is that it's going to be practically un, uh, sorry, this bike, this bike, I need to get used to saying that. Um, <laughs> and the most interesting part about this bike is it's basically uncrashable, which well, is, uh, wait, which wait is, a minute, wait a minute. Uncrashable? Like the Titanic was unsinkable? That's exactly what it sounds like. So here's the deal. It has these built-in gyroscopes that'll keep you from falling over when you, uh, take a turn or, um, I guess, try to fall. You can even like stand up on the, on the pegs on this thing. That's how like balanced it is. That's actually um, pretty cool. But, but here's my question. I mean, if I was to point it at the wall and pin the throttle, what happens? Okay. So this is where the future comes into play. Um, <laughs> basically your VR, your VR simulator turns off and you wake up in the real world, right? No, the, the truth is that, um, they're developing some kind of, um, autonomous system for these for these bikes um they call it bmw's digital assistant um and it's incorporated in a visor for the rider so as a result the the, the rider doesn't even have a helmet they have this really these really neat um squash goggles that can like project <laughs> that can project the uh the the information in front of you so they well, can it can project your speed it can project your um recommended line through a turn it could also point out any obstacles and adjust the sort of line around that and if you do not follow that recommended line the bike will take over 
and make sure that you stay safe. Okay, I, I have two important, well, important to me questions. The first is, I'm assuming the reason there's no helmet required is because the bike can't crash. Is that correct? Well, I mean, that's what they're saying. Uh, so that's kind, that's kind of like building the Titanic without any lifeboats. Yeah, because it can't crash. Because what could happen, right? Or, and here's my other theory, is that in the future, humans no longer have heads. Or perhaps the brain has migrated to another part of the body. I know it's only 100 years from now. But I think in a hundred years we're just going to be constantly uploading our con- like. Have, don't you remember Chappie? We uploaded the our consciousness into did the cloud. You, did you just re- reference Chappie? Yeah, <laughs> a movie, a movie that maybe what ten percent of our audience maybe maybe saw. What that, that's the one with um the guys from South Africa, right? Yeah, yeah. Diane Ward. Neil Bloomkamp was also was the uh, was the uh, or a producer or a. Uh, uh, a director to that, but and so, you know what? We should we should bring him up in a second. But let me just we sh- we should and we should also have uh we should also have Diane Word as guests because I clearly BMW is looking to Diane Word for some type of guidance for the future. You're right. Well, you know, Bloom, now we're now we're talking about Bloom. Uh, I mean, Neil Bloomkamp, who is now directing or has directed a new series or a new short movie with BMW uh, with Clive Owen. And there we go. We've gone full circle with the Chappie reference. It's true. And it's funny because a man who's so focused on the stress and strain and conflict between class has elected to partner with a luxury automaker and continue his film career that way. I think that's also a little bit of full circle for for everyone. Okay. But you know what? This bike sounds absolutely bonkers. Um, but the, but the concept cars that went along with it, because I got the, ch- the chance to finally see these things in person are crazy too. Let's talk about this BMW. Uh, first of all, they're all called the Vision Next 100. Um, so. Of course, of course. Uh, I think that's really weird. I wish they had, you know, unique names. They each have like a subtitle, like the bike is called the, the Great Escape, uh, <laughs> which I don't know if they have, I don't know if they have the, um, I don't know if they have the rights to that name. Well, but what are but, you escaping from? I mean, it's an autonomous bike, which you can't control whatsoever. I mean, is it is the goal to try to escape from the bike? I, I'm just trying to understand the customer who walks into a, a, bike sh- a bike showroom and is like, hey, do you have anything where I'm not really riding? And and they're like, yeah, we've got this. Do you have a head? Because you don't need that either. And then you get on this bike that doesn't let you deviate from any course. I just the bike demographic has always been about freedom and adventure and and having fun and pushing limits. I mean, at least that's the marketing behind it. So what's the marketing behind the autonomous bike? It's like we'll get you there, and and it's it's less weatherproof than a car. Like who's? I, I don't get it. I mean, you still have you'll still have more control, I think, than autonomous car. I mean, you can when you're riding a bike, you can, well, you can jump off. I mean, you can look, yeah. You can <laughs> Stop and look off and yeah, the car's not yeah the bike is not you're not strapped to the bike or maybe you um, are I don't know. Well, you know they they also said uh, talking about that that uncrashable thing they also said that these bikes and the cars will communicate with each other so they'll know when they're about to have a crash and I guess they'll or they'll, they'll know if you're if, if you're trying to escape they'll know that too and they'll plan against you. Oh dear, uh, yeah that is the name of this car. You know in 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 contrast the BMW Vision Next 100 this is the car instead of the bike is called sheer driving pleasure. That's like that's what they're going for. See here. I can get behind that. And um, the way this thing looks is it looks it has this body shell that is con- that is composed of all these little tiny triangles like that can expand and collapse. Um, and that's really interesting so that when you turn the wheel, the front wheels uh, kind of the, – the front bodywork kind of adapts with the front uh, of the car. And I think that's really – it's really something to see in person. 
Uh, I think I that, that, that's fascinating. I believe, uh, is it my imagination or was there a previous BMW concept that had something similar? It was called like a paper skin. A and paper, yeah, it, it, it was like skin. Like that's the craziest part. To, I don't know if, do cars need skin? It looked like something out of the movie cars. Like the, the car was deforming <laughs> as it was moving around. I think that's cool. You know, BMW really brings it when they bring their concepts to life. I mean, look at the i8. That thing is the Batmobile. I mean, it, it's, it is the, it looks like the future. And that's an, you can go into a, a showroom and buy that. There's no, they didn't really water that down from the drawing board to production. That's incredible. Did it have a name, BMW, the i8, the next five or something? Like no, no, <laughs> the next five years of lease payments. That's yeah. that's the subtitle. But you're right. That looks crazy. But why am I the only person who thinks that BMW doesn't do real concepts sometimes? They like they just mail it in. They show you this four series concept coupe, and it's just a four series with really small mirrors. Or <laughs> <laughs> the X2 concept, which is what they showed at uh, at Paris, and you're like – yeah, that's just an X2. Like, you're just going to remove the concept part from that and just say, here it is. I think they save it for the really big stuff, like the iCars, where they're like, you know what? We're just going to, we're going to blow our load on the drawing board right here. And <laughs> it's going to be a crazy, crazy looking car with all sorts of sharp angles. And guess what? You'll be able to buy it. I mean, and I'm okay with that. Well, I had a great time. To t- I like, it was really cool talking to them because it's clear that some cars are made or some concept cars are made for, um, for the company to really be like, here's our direction, here's what we're going to next. Um, and for the enthusiasts within the company, and apparently there are still enthusiasts at BMW. Um, I think the M2 kind of proves that in my opinion. But hey, um, let's talk about Mini. The Mini was a crazy concept. They, they, their catchphrase with that was, every Mini is my Mini. Not my Mini like Sammy's Mini, and not your Mini like Ben's Mini, but my Mini, Okay. Where are you going with this? I don't know. But uh, here we go. This is the way it is. The car has no paint job. It's kind of like this clear uh, body shell. And um, it so, kind of – So it's like Wonder Woman's jet. Yeah. No. It's not quite that way. It's not transparent. It's not completely transparent. But when you get <laughs> – Wait, wait. It, it's not completely transparent. So <laughs> it's like a shower curtain. Like you can sort of see the business. Like what's <laughs> – What's I mean, the cars have windows, man, so those well, are transparent. All right, I guess that's technically true. Okay, let me just get through this, and you can you can make all the jokes you want about me, okay? And my wow. description of wow. the of the mini, it it you 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 get in this thing, you kind of pair with it, and remember that digital assistant I talked about in the in the bike? Yeah, the well, one the that mini, doesn't doesn't let you deviate from anything. Well, the mini has it here, and will change the whole car based on your personality, what you've done um, with your BMW, your, your digital assistant in the past. I'm not quite sure about that, but it will start recommending things to do in the neighborhood or places to go and eat. Um, and the, the, the car will start changing color based on your personality. And I thought that was kind of weird. <laughs> so it's like a mood ring. It's like a it mood is, ring you can drive. So, right. It is like a mood ring, but Here's what I remember about mood rings. I think mood rings were inconsistent, right? Um, well, I, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> you, what kind right, of what quality know. control was involved in the production of mood rings? I think that's that's a that's a tough thing to pin down. You know what? I've never really thought about it that far. But here at the mini booth, they had like this uh, this little display where you could put your finger on a uh, on a sensor. You and and that sensor would read your temperature and your uh what you're wearing or something like that and this whole display would change a different color so when i put it it was like this dark pink um and this whole thing throbbed at the same rate as my 
my heart rate apparently. And then when somebody else came, they did it and it was like all this really bright yellow and this person did it and it was all blue. And I, and when I went back, it was still the same color. And, you know, like we kind of like tested it. It was actually, you know, it seemed kind of um, like it was working. So I can imagine that being kind of neat, especially in the future where um, the shared economy, that buzzword that people are throwing around, where that can be a, a reality, you know, where instead of getting into the same car every single time, you get into this car and it kind of like adapts around you. But um, but do you really want to put your finger on a button that like a hundred other people have put their fingers on? Oh, you're right. Now that I think about it, like you can't, you, you don't trust everybody. And especially with what people would do with a shared car. I don't know. You're I right. know. And, and does it, does it clear the chi in the car too? Like, it, <laughs> I don't, I, no, I'm seriously here. Like if I'm getting into a shared car, I want it to, you know, a cleansed environment or some kind of ultraviolet. It would be perfect that this glowing light was also an ultraviolet light that would sanitize the shared car. Or if it was a black light and can tell you what parts of the car. No, 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 no. I don't, I don't want that at all. I mean, I would probably not get, you would never get in another car. I mean, <laughs> if that was the technology. Um, and then there was a, then there was a Rolls Royce, uh, concept, which was extremely, um, um, futuristic. It had no steering wheel, essentially. Um, it was a self-driving car to the next level. And, um, it had a very weird setup. It looked like a catamaran. The the wheels were separated kind of from the body. Um, and catamaran. Did I say catamaran or catamaran? Uh, you catamaran. said boomerang, but just keep going. <laughs> Did I say boomerang? It looked like a catamaran. Um, and one of the neatest features it had was when you opened the door, it projected a red carpet laser um, in front of you. So it felt like you were at a movie premiere every single time. I like that. I like that. I can get, you know, red red carpet laser. Why not? I mean, don't cars already have that? I mean, doesn't the Mustang already project a horse when you uh, unlock and lock the car and walk up to it? Are you seriously comparing a horse to a a red carpet laser show? I mean, if you make it red, it'll be a red horse, and that's halfway there. It's still not the same thing. It's close. I don't know. I think there's a big disconnect between you and the Rolls-Royce market. I'm just going to – I'm going to – I'm comfortable saying that. Are you – so what you're trying to say, you're trying to pitch your – your chance to get to go to the next BMW or Rolls Royce event. That's what you're doing. You're saying get rid of Sammy on that spot and take me instead. That's what I'm hearing. All I'm saying is maybe Sammy doesn't understand the the audience for the the Rolls Royce laser red carpet show. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. I'm not saying I understand it any better, but at least I accept it. I think acceptance is important. Well, one of the points that they made with the Rolls Royce, which I can get behind, is every part of this car can be customized in a in a way. It's kind of like one of those old school boutique. Um, coach builders kind of car. If you want Wait. a specific um, car color or a paint color, you can get that. If you want a specific fabric inside, you can get that. Whatever you can do that now with Rolls Royce and Bentley, I believe they they're essentially they have a very long um, list of options or even a completely bespoke program where I think you can just bring them like a fabric swatch and say, hey, I want this inside the car, and they make it happen. Well, that's a well. Yeah, I guess that's exactly what they're going for. They're they're just maintaining the status quo for the next 100 years, assuming well, heritage, still right? Buying. Yeah, heritage. I'm, okay. I mean, I'm sure you couldn't bring them like, well, maybe you can like shark skin or ivory or something, and be like, hey, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I want my I want the steering wheel to be made out of this white stuff. Uh, pure so is this ivory, <laughs> pure ivory steering wheel. That's luxury. That's what Make it looks it like. <laughs> la- la- laser red carpet ivory steering wheel. But, uh, I mean, it's, it, it's fun for companies to look that far ahead. And yeah, I, I think it's cool to have weird out there ideas, uh, about automotive design because if we didn't do that, then we would just be stuck with the status quo forever, which would suck, you know, like, 
Well, thank God we don't have anything like the Jetsons nowadays that's just ruining future cars for us, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, speaking of future cars, so um, there's something uh, I, I wanted to talk about. I know we hadn't discussed this beforehand, but uh, this week um, Elon Musk talked about how he's going to be bringing via Tesla a, a SAE Level 5 autonomous cars to market within a year. Yeah, good good for him. I hope he can do it. Um and there is, I mean, this is problematic at best. Uh, I'm not 100% familiar with how they're going to roll it out. But it, from the looks of what I read, the, you're going to have this capability is going to be available across the board on every car that's sold. But the technology costs X amount of money, which means vehicle prices are probably going to go up at Tesla. And in the meantime, until it's fully implemented, certain aspects of the autopilot um, adaptive cruise control system that exists now will no longer be available. Does that sound right with what with what you've read as well? Yeah, that sounds right, and that's that's the troubling part to me. Uh, I mean, there's a there's a part of me that gets giddy at the idea of early early adoption technology, um, and there's also a part of me that understands that Tesla has the ability to adapt really quickly and introduce things at a at a pace that other automakers just can't match because they're smaller automakers, right? Well, they're also more beholden to safety regulations. I think um, if if you know, I, let me clarify what I mean by that. Tesla sells, sells a very, very small number of cars comparatively to any major car company. So the risk of an accident, I mean, I know they talk a lot about how many miles have been driven using autopilot, but if you compare that to the number of miles being driven, period, it's, it's a very small sample size. Mm-hmm. So the risks are smaller. Um, if GM rolled out something like this, you would be looking at a huge sample size and the, the, the risks are enormous, which is why GM doesn't roll out beta autonomous software, which, and I want to stress that Elon Musk has said that this is still in beta, but it's still available to customers to try. Um, and then something, the, the thing that caught my eye most of the press conference was last night. Uh, and he also spoke about how it upset him that journalists were focusing on the accidents that had occurred using autopilot and that he said anyone who criticizes autonomous technology is essentially killing people because the he's inferring the fact that people who criticize autonomous technology keeps it farther away from being a reality, which means we'll continue to have normal people driving cars and having normal people accidents and driving is a very risky business. <laughs> it's incredible. Uh, what do I do? What do I do? Am I supposed to write a story that uh, some guy made it to work on autopilot? Like, how would I even like? How would I know that? I would. Be, the, the there's a report that comes out. A, an accident happens. And that's usually filed to the police, and there's certain details that are that are shared that way. Nobody nobody shares a police report when you get to the when you get to the office with autopilot. How am I going to figure that out? Am I just going to wait? Ask I, every I, single Tesla driver. Hey, did you use uh, autopilot? And then write a story on every single uh, event that occurs where autopilot pilot was 100% successful. I, I think it, it really points to the mentality that, <laughs> that's guiding the development of um, Tesla products in that if you're not a cheerleader, you're part of the problem. And the the idea of objectively reporting on a technology, a product, whatever, it doesn't enter into the conversation for Musk when he's talking about his own company. So it's, it's, it's an attitude thing. It's a way the company, the way the company, some aspects of Tesla, um, the way they interact with the media um, you're either with them or against them. And in reality, the media is neither. The media is a disinterested third party that's merely, as you said, reporting on what happened. And when accidents happen, they get reported. I mean, the only, the other thing that I find unusual is he's essentially a man of science, um, or at the very least technology. And science only advances through peer reviewed, uh, data. 
And when the data is bad, you call it out as bad. And when the data works, you call it out as working. And you're constantly trying to disprove a hypothesis. You're not, you know, it, the only way technology advances is if many people point out the flaws and then cre- create solutions for those problems. So the fact that uh, Tesla gets testy when you say, hey, uh, something didn't work here. I mean, that's kind of silly. Well, you know what? That that also goes the other way. He, if he wasn't introducing this this car, if he wasn't pushing the limits with uh, with you know the Model S and its battery and this and the supercharger system and the range that ca- these electric cars have, we wouldn't be getting. I don't know if we'd be getting the same advancements that we have in other autom- the way the GM really jumped onto the bolt and the way it needs to compete in that segment. That's um, that's that's entirely possible. So I I. I I see both sides of the of the spectrum. The, the side that says Tesla is pushing all of its uh, capabilities, it's pushing the limits, it's pushing the standards for safety, for technology, for even the, how far electric um, powertrains are going. And then I see the other side, which is like they're doing it in a very irresponsible manner by doing it when people are not ready for it or not um, prepared for it, and they're doing it at a loss. Well, they're doing everything at a loss, pretty much. Yeah. Um, the other thing too is, I mean, from a regulatory perspective, uh, I really doubt that by 2018, which I think is when, um, the system would fully come online across the fleet, I really doubt that it'll be totally cool to just take your hands off the wheel and whatever happens, happens. I, I don't think that uh, a court will accept that by then. I think we're still a very long ways away from integrating level five. And I want to stress this, a level five, according to the, so- the Society of Automotive Engineers, that that kind of car does not even need a steering wheel. A level five car does absolutely everything for the driver. The driver get, I shouldn't even say driver, passenger. You get in the car, you tell it where you're going, and it gets you there. Um, a level four car would allow for you to drive it, let's say, to the highway, and then it would take over on the highway, or um, it would allow you to have at least some kind of control over the vehicle. But a level five is very much like we were talking earlier, a Jetsons thing where you get in and then you get where you're going. Ben, you really think that this this is going to happen in 2018? How long have you been How long have you been following the industry? I mean, every single bold statement by an automaker gets the target gets missed. I mean, even the LFA took like way too long to make. The NSX <laughs> has missed its target a bunch of times. The Bolt is barely going to squeak into uh, into dealerships by 2016 by 2017. Um, and, no, I, Elon, I, and Elon Musk himself has come up with ideas that have been quietly like gone away like i've quietly gone away where did those where did battery swapping go for example so he just throws things out and numbers and figures and and time and i think he waits for the reception and sees if that will maybe get him a little bit of extra funding or money or um maybe even more pre-orders that they can use um to to reach a a more realistic goal i completely agree with you and i think that um i think the share price is really at play here and that's a big part of these announcements and i also you know will this be ready by 2018 i don't think so i would be surprised if the model 3 is available by 2018 (laughs) yeah absolutely absolutely and and i can't i mean i don't i have a bunch of friends who put down like a thousand dollars for that model 3 reservation and i i mean i I couldn't believe that they did that because it's a, it's an interest-free loan for for Tesla and there's no guarantee on when your car is coming and if you know if they're going to be able to get one to you within the next I don't know five years I would never pre-order five years in advance for something that's maybe I'm just impatient. <laughs> well, no, I agree with you. I think what that thousand dollars was for a lot of people was the chance to be a part of an exclusive club. Um, for a reasonable amount of money for a certain period of time. And because it's, because it's fully refundable, there's no risk. You put your thousand dollars down and then at the last minute you're like, ah, I don't want the car. But during that whole time, you got to be part of the Tesla Zeitgeist 
And I think that's important to, uh, you know, a certain section of the customers who buy Teslas. Oh man, uh, you better get a cool like belt buckle or like lap- like a lapel pin or like a bracelet or something to show to other people at clubs or something. <laughs> oh well, yeah, 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 Tesla pre-order. I thought that guy was a total jerk, but now I can see he's he's got he's got the future on his mind. I think I think autonomous cars would be a great topic for a future podcast. There's a lot that I think we both have to say on on where the technology is going. But um, speaking of the future, where where are we headed next? What are, what are you doing next, Sammy? That's that's interesting. Um, I'm going to take part in Ajax Test Fest. That's my next um, big adventure. And then what's, that, what's Ajax? Ajax is the Automotive Journalists Association of Canada. It's a group that helps. That it, it's probably one of the largest. Um, Automotive Journalists Association uh, in Canada, um, uh, journalists associations in Canada, and um, it's just a it's a it's a it's a cool club to be a part of. You see, and what we do is we uh, <laughs> during test fest is we um, test all of the new cars back to back and uh, help determine what sort of is the best new car in each segment, and then which is the best new car of 2017 for Canadians. Uh, and so, as- so you're doing that next week. I am doing that next week. Okay. Okay. And um, and then following that, uh, I get to miss out on the fun at SEMA. In fact, I've never been to a SEMA show yet, and uh, I'm really bummed out about that. But instead, I'm going to be going to L.A. and driving the uh, new Lincoln Continental. Well, that'll be fun. That's a car I'm, I'm very interested in, and I'm really looking forward to hearing what you have to say about it on the next podcast. Or, really? Or, you know, the, yeah, I... I I mean, I think it, it's an interesting looking car. It's an interesting direction for Lincoln to go in, and I, I just want to hear about it. I'm always so surprised to, to hear that. I mean, even from you, an automotive enthusiast, Lincoln, I thought, I mean, I think Lincoln is. I'm a is former barely... Lincoln. I'm a former Lincoln owner. Oh. I've owned three Lincolns. Were they all this, town the, cars? That sound you just heard is 30% <laughs> of our audience hitting the stop button. <laughs> yeah, my heart. Didn't. Even I was. Even I was considering just hanging up and. No, I had a, I had a Mark 8, which was a lot of fun. It was a Cobra engine in a big coupe. And, um, I was all about that when I was in my early twenties. And I also had a pair of 66 and 67 Continental sedans. Okay. So you have this actual personal connection to the Continental nameplate. Well, yes and no. I mean, no, I, I. I, I, I feel like I was a Lincoln advocate for a very long time. I think the brand is still struggling for an identity over the last 15 years, which is unfortunate uh, given what other companies in their space have been able to accomplish. But oh, maybe they can bring it back and maybe the Continental is part of that. So that's why I'm curious and interested in it. Okay, very cool. What are you up to in the next few weeks? Um, next week, I am not going to Ajax Test Fest. I am staying home, but I am going to be driving a, uh, the new GTR, the new 2017 Nissan GTR, and I'm excited about that. I've actually never driven a GTR. It's one of the few cars that has eluded me over the years. Wow. So that'll be fun. And then, uh, the week after that, I'm sort of going to SEMA, but more accurately, I'm going to drive the new Camaro 1LE. Um, at oh, Spring oh. Mountain. Yeah. Just about an hour outside of Vegas. Uh, we'll be, I'll also be attending SEMA with Chevy Performance Parts. Uh, they'll have some modified cruises, which will be interesting, and some modified Camaros to drive back to back with the one LE. So that's going to wow. be a fun, modified a fun week. Camaros to go back to back with the one LE is a very interesting. It's a very bold move for for Chevrolet, actually. Well, yeah, I think I think they're confident in uh, what they have to offer the aftermarket, and uh, you know, SEMA is all about 
customization and uh it's a crazy show i'm not going to spend a lot of time there maybe just one day um the rest of it will be spent driving but uh, i haven't been to sema in i think one or two years so it'll be it'll be fun um some good desert uh, desert driving action too i've never been to spring mountain either which is a a track facility that um gm uses quite a bit mm-hmm. uh, in pahrump nevada which is fun to say pahrump yeah, I've been there. I was there earlier this year for a Camaro event as well, but for the convertible, um, and for the ZL1, um, prototype reveal okay. and, and drive. And, uh, I have so much faith in the new Camaro. I absolutely love driving it. I think the new engines, uh, or the updated engines are, are amazing. Um, and now I'm really jealous because I absolutely fell in love with the 1LE. It was probably one of my favorite cars I've driven to date. Um, and, it's it really is something that few people know about and the people who know know like it's a real performance vehicle well um we'll have a lot to talk about then when uh, we reconvene absolutely in a week or so and thanks to everyone for listening and remember yeah. you can subscribe we have rss going you can look for us online uh right now we're being hosted on soundcloud but uh we're, you should be able to find us on itunes and uh android and google and all that good stuff in the near future yeah, that sounds uh, great. So, and if you have any uh, any thoughts, anything you want to talk to me about, anything you think I was way off on, or you really agree with, you can hit me up on Twitter. My my username is Sammy. That's S A M I underscore H A. Like ha, like you're laughing at me. Um, <laughs> and my uh, my Twitter handle is at Hunting Benjamin, all one word. That's it. That's quite the uh, that's quite the the Twitter account. I love it. Perfect. All right. Have a great uh, have a great week, everyone, and we'll talk to you soon. Sounds good. Bye, everybody.